You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? There was an idea called the Fan Holes Initiative. It was to take a group of average geeks with an abundance of comic book and pop culture knowledge, put them on a podcast together, and see if they could become something more. See, in this age of Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, some people still believe in podcasts. Well, maybe it's an old-fashioned notion. Motherfucker. Hey guys, welcome <laughs> back to Fan Holes. This is your current host, Derek Crabb, and today we're going to be doing a podcast on the Avengers film. Obviously, the Avengers film has been making tons and tons of money, billions and billions of dollars. As of the time of this recording, uh, its domestic box office results, it's uh, number four at like uh, over $470 billion. Well, it's, it's a lot of money for domestic and like for, for worldwide, it's... Uh, it's closing in on Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. So it's at like $1.2 billion already. So it surpassed Dark of the Moon and it surpassed Dark Knight as far as like comic movies and stuff like that. So it, it, it's been really popular, making a lot of money. And I know when we released our Avengers podcast that covered all the, you know, comics and everything to tie in on that, we, we pre-planned that and recorded that, you know, a few months in advance. But I know a lot of people were asking me, oh, you're releasing an Avengers podcast, so you're going to talk about the movie? And I was kind of like, well, it hasn't really come out yet, you know, like when we were recording it. So here, this is kind of like the follow-up podcast, and so I'm joined by my fellow fan holes. So just uh, go ahead and shout out, give off the roll call, and let everybody know who's here. Hey, this is Brian and Breakdown, and that man over there is playing Galaga. He thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. <laughs> Hi, it's Mike, also known as Nick Furry, agent of Squirrel. Hey, this is Grimlock, and I was that man playing Galaga. Nice. So, basically, there, there's no real form or structure or anything to this. We're going to just give our thoughts on the Avengers film. And, uh, I, you know, I'll go ahead and just start off uh, just asking everybody, you know, what did you guys think of the film? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Do you want to see more? Do you wish that they, you know, are you happy Josh Whedon was involved? Is the sun coming up? Yes, sir. Then put it on the left. Like, I, I enjoyed the film. I liked it a lot. I mean, it, being that it's like the first film of its kind to have, uh, I guess, non-disparate films, you know, like they, they kind of plan to have, you know, Iron Man and Thor and Captain America and Hulk all as the preamble to this team uh, assemblage or what have you. Like, did you think that worked out well? Like, were you happy with how all the different characters came together? I was, in, like, surprised by how well it actually worked out and how well it came together. You know, I mean, um, Ed Norton's really the only casualty that didn't make it to the final film. And with all that can go on, you know, both like personally in someone's life or professionally, it's just kind of amazing that they're able to, you know, release all these movies and then have them all tie tie into Avengers. And it just worked out so well. Yeah, I mean, I was I, I think way back when uh, before 
even Captain America or Thor came out, I kind of thought, well, that's great that Iron Man was a big hit and that they want to do, you know, a Cap movie and a Thor movie and then lead into an Avengers movie. But my thinking was, well, what the hell happens if, you know, Thor bombs? What the hell happens if, you know, Captain America bombs? But luckily those movies did pretty well. And, and you know, obviously, like, Avengers just seems to keep on rolling, you know, even in, you know, it's not like it's the world's greatest economy right now, but everybody seems to be going out to see it. And, and I kind of notice the other thing, too, is that people seem to be going to watch the movie multiple times. Like, I've only yeah, seen it the one time in the theater, but I, how about you guys? Like, I think you guys have seen it more than once. Like, what? how about you, Mike? Have you seen it more than once? Or Yeah, I'm on time number three. Yeah, so like, I, and then what about you, Brian? Have you seen it once or twice? Or Yeah, I've seen it twice now. Um, I don't know. It, it was worth it like both times. Once I went with my best bud and then my wife was mad I didn't take her. So I kind of had to go a second time, but like I had no complaints in going a second time. Yeah. I was really eager to see it again. So it kind of reminds me of like the old days when like, you know, I, I don't know, for me, like I, I don't really make a habit of seeing a movie more than once in the theater because my attitude is kind of like they're probably going to release it, you know, on, on home video like, you know, three months from now. So I'm not. I'm not, I don't have a burning, insatiating desire to go watch it twice, but I know, you know, for me when I was in high school or younger, you know, sometimes it'd be years before you'd get a movie on VHS or whatever, so you'd go to the theater, you know, during the summer or something and watch a movie, you know, two or three times because you liked it so much. Like, what about you, Justin? Did you watch it once? Did you watch it more than once? No, I only saw it the one time. Okay. So, so I mean, I guess we're we're fifty fifty, sort of down the middle. But I think that accounts for its financial success, its box office success, because you know people are, you know, there are that that percentage of people that enjoyed it a lot, and maybe they want to bring their their spouse or their girlfriend or whoever a second time, or you know they want to go see it with their buds a second time, you know, and they saw it with their spouse the first time, or you know however that worked out. So there's plenty of people, or maybe you know like I know some of the people on the boards, you know, they like bringing their kids and stuff like that and you know maybe they got excited and saw the midnight show once you know when it first came out but then they also went and you know a second and third time and brought their kids and everything um so uh, as far as like all the characters like i know we we kind of briefly mentioned edward norton and how he was the only one who was previously in play like i thought mark ruffalo turned out to be pretty damn good like a pretty good choice yeah in terms of of uh i guess Bruce Banner and, and kind of the state he was in at the time and everything. So, this all seems horrible. And then the Hulk seemed pretty popular in this movie, at least from my audience reaction. You know, like, he seemed to get a lot of the laughs and jokes, and people kind of seemed to relate to him. Like, what was your experience in the theater, you know, Mike or Justin? You know, like, did you notice anything like that, or was there anything different from your viewing experience? Yeah, all, all three times, the Hulk grabbing Loki and playing whack-a-mole with him got the biggest laugh in the theater. So. Yeah, yeah, that definitely seemed to, like, erupt the theater, you know? I think during mine, uh, this time I saw it, like, you know, Hulk got the most laughs, and Iron Man seemed to get, you know, quite a lot of chuckles, too. And, you know, it seemed like any time the, the Hulk was on screen, you know, not Banner, but the actual Hulk, and he was, like, you know beating someone up or, you know, throwing around Loki like he's a rag doll. Like, the audience was just eating it up. Like, I remember looking over to my left and seeing, like, this little kid, like, he's like, you know, you know how they always say, it's on, you're on the edge of your seat. Well, this little kid was on the edge of his seat. He was just like, you know, big googly eyes. He's like, wow, the Hulk. Yeah, I think I think that's that's something that I, it has a lot of things that people probably have come to expect from either uh, a big blockbuster movie or a comic book movie, but it kind of made them very exciting and interesting. Like, I, I think people might expect, you know, a Hulk versus Thor confrontation, and it was nice the way they were able to sort of seamlessly integrate that desire or want into a story, but also have it kind of flow pretty logically about, you know, why it was happening and you know, why people were doing what they were doing. I mean, to me, even the same thing applies to, like, a character like Hawkeye, because I kind of like the aspect of the fact that they, you know, they gave him his backstory as a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent or whatever to start out with, but for, you know, a good majority of the movie, he's he's working for Loki, you know, and he's kind of hypnotized or whatever. So it kind of gives that credence to his comic backstory. You know, he started out as a villain, 
in Iron Man and, and, you know, in Tales of Suspense, you know, he was a bad guy and he worked with the Black Widow and all that kind of stuff. And so they kind of brought all that, you know, in the confines of a two hour movie. But you still, you know, if, if you're just, you know, an average Joe coming into it, you know, you still got the vibe of, oh, well, here's someone who, you know, sort of was shady for the first half of the movie. And now we're going to let him sort of redeem himself and, and be a good guy for the last hour of the movie or what have you. The first, like, half hour of the movie felt like what could be, you know, like a good, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. mini-movie. Like, if they ever, you know, actually make a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie, like, I kind of a picture it would be something like that, which I actually thought was a lot of fun, just, you know, seeing uh, Hawkeye and Fury and uh, Maria Hill just running around doing various spy things. Yeah, one thing I, I didn't know was, I guess, besides Colby Smolder's who played Maria Hill in the movie, I guess a lot of other people screen-tested for uh, the role of Maria Hill. And one of those people, I guess since it was a, a Joss Whedon-directed movie, one of those people was Monica Bacharan, you know, from uh, Firefly or Serenity or... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just... What do you guys think about that? Like, like, do you think she would have been uh, better? Do you think it was good that they cast uh, Colby as Maria Hill? Do you have any opinions on that one way or the other? I liked Colby as Maria Hill. Like, I, like I'm familiar with her most as uh, Robin on How I Met Your Mother, and like when I heard she got cast on like Robin, Robin Sparkles from How I Met Your Mother. Like, I, I couldn't imagine her being like serious, you know, kind of bitchy Maria Hill. I'm like, I don't know about that. But when I was watching her on the screen, I'm like, yeah, this works. Like, she's actually pretty good as a as a super secret agent. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I think, like, uh, Marina Baccarin might have been, I don't know, like, too girlish, I guess, to be Maria Hill. I don't know, like, uh, Maria Hill strikes me as kind of, uh, I don't know, like, I guess butch is, like, the word I want. Mm. It's weird, because I guess, I guess not just seeing her, her appearance in Firefly, but I know me and Justin saw, like, the last two seasons of V, the remake series, and, like, she had her hair cut really short in that, and, of course, she's an evil, evil bitch in that, too, so, like, I guess I don't, I don't see it as that much of a leap or anything, like, I, I wasn't ever, you know, when I, when I sort of read that, but I guess it pays to have friends, you know, like Allison Hannigan, because I guess that's who probably suggested it to Whedon in the first place, or at least there's that kind of correlation between uh, all the people, so... Hey, Mike, Tony Stark didn't think Maria Hill was too butch. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, he did not, no. I don't know. I guess I, I haven't seen, like, that side of her, so I, I don't think, uh, what do you call it? maybe if I did, I could see it, but I, I just don't. But I, I think she, Colby Smulders did a good job, though. Although, well, I was going to say, speaking of Whedon players, he did sneak, what's his face, uh, Alexis D- uh, Denisoff in that in that movie, as uh, the voice of that uh, uh, Loki's, like, you know, partner or, you know, Thanos' mouthpiece. I think they were just calling him, like, the other or something, like, in the yeah. credits or whatever. So, yeah, but that, the, the uh, what, what do they call the alien race? The Cathari or whatever? Uh, the Chitari? Yeah. That's, I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys about that. What did you think? Like, the Chitari is, like, the, the race from, like, the Ultimates that they fought. And, like, I, I thought it, they, it was okay that they used them just because they were pretty much just punching bags. So, you know, it, I thought, like, if they used, like, the Kree or the Skrull, it would, like, add, it would raise too many questions probably. So I thought, like, you know, just picking the, like, some lesser-known alien race would was a better idea. Yeah, I think... I, I can see that point of view, like that you're not, you know, you're not going to get butt hurt that like your favorite Marvel alien race got beat up too easy or what have you. But I mean, they they certainly made a spectacle out of it. It's not like it's not like it was an easy victory. I mean, I know plenty of the aliens, you know, uh, Chitari, you know, were punching bags and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like you know, you had all those alien serpents and you know, giant, um, you know, monsters smashing through the buildings and everything. So it wasn't like it was just, you know, a cakewalk for the Avengers to, to get the job done of saving the world. And I think also probably, like, because of, you know, like Fantastic Four stuff, I bet you, like, all the stupid licenses are in sort of disarray because they don't all, all follow, follow, you know, certain certain characters, 
you know, like Avengers, like the scrolls might appear in an Avengers comic book, but they're probably licensed to the Fantastic Four. So then, then you got to deal with like 20th Century Fox and stuff if they haven't, you know, if the rights for that hasn't lapsed. Just like if you tried to put, you know, purple Norman Osborn with, uh, you know, giant great cornrows into the next Avengers movie. <laughs> you do not understand. I do. I understood that reference. You know, you'd have to deal with uh, Sony for licensing, and like you can't, you know, some stuff. I guess you can't get away with until they're all all the characters are back under the Marvel Studios umbrella. You know, I think using the uh, Chitari two probably gave them a little bit more visual freedom and creative freedom, because you know, if you went Scroll or Cree, you know, especially on screen, I don't think that'd be that cool to see you know blue dudes running around or the scrolls on screen. But if you change them too much, then you'd have, like, a big negative fanboy reaction. So, I don't know. Just Ch- Chitauri were kind of like a safe bet and, you know, something that they had some room to play with. I was going to say, also, like, I knew when I heard, like, the name, I was like, oh, yeah, that's from the Ultimates. But, like, I couldn't think of what they looked like from the actual comic. So I was like, okay, so they were pretty much like a mold to fill, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then even in even in the Ultimate comics, I mean, they kind of make some kind of allusion to that we've been called by many names and you know one of those names is the scroll so i mean if people want they can you know if they want them to be the scroll they can be but if not they can just be you know the chitari and then you don't have to worry about it if you really wanted to go back and do the scroll proper in some other you know movie franchise or what have you but like what what brian was saying about you know just having blue dudes running around for like the cree like i was it kind of reminds me of the live action uh uh space battleship yamato movie that came out like a little while back because in there like you kind of have a similar race of aliens you know like where they're they're all just blue skinned and everything like at least in the you know in the anime and stuff like that but when they did the movie it seemed like it was heavily influenced by that whole kind of bayformers you know star trek like what have you where they they tried to make things look a little different and of course they're not just blue skinned aliens they're like these kind of you know blue energy creatures that you know, inhabit mechanical forms and all this kind of stuff. So I'm sure even if they did end up introducing the Kree or the Skrull, they would try to, you know, take a little more license with uh, with the design. But I, I see what Brian's saying, that maybe you might have some, some butthurt fanboys where you're like, that's not a Kree or that's not a Skrull, you know, like that kind of thing. So I have a question. Sure. I was kind of interested in your guys' thoughts on this. Like, um, out of all the movies leading up to Avengers, you know, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, whatever, like, and comparing that to Avengers, like, what what group is your favorite set of movies? Did Avengers become, like, the pinnacle? Was it the best out of all these movies, or did you have another favorite? You mean of of the actual sort of, I guess, the, the Marvel incontinuity movies that you just talked about? Yeah, yep. I'm willing to say that Avengers was my favorite one, yeah. Like, the first Iron Man probably comes close, but I've always had a little bit of a problem with the ending to that one, but other than that, not, not like, the very end, but just the way, like, his battle with Obadiah Stane goes, just cause some things, like, kind of rubbed me the wrong way in that, but... What do you call it? Other than that, yeah, I'd say Avengers. Like, Avengers is the one I have the least... <laughs> it's sad, because, like, how cynical comic book fans are, but, like, Avengers made me, like, the least butthurt, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Justin, your thoughts? I would probably agree with Mike. Like, I really enjoyed Iron Man, and I really liked Iron Man, too. I know, I know a lot of fans like to kind of poop on it a little bit, but I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I also really enjoyed the Ed Norton Hulk movie. I think that's kind of underrated as well but yeah i guess i guess for me it would be pretty close like iron man one and avengers but i'd put iron i would put avengers as my favorite even just saying it the one time like i would probably put it as favorite i liked avengers a lot i i think the only other movie like i know how uh uh, the other guys just mentioned like the movie that they liked the most out of that batch of movies i'd probably say that the one i like the most is cap um, but that's just because I like the character a lot, probably, and I think it was a pretty good movie. Um, but 
I mean, as far as, like, Avengers, like, you know, I watched it the one time. I had a pretty good time watching it. it, it sometimes it's hard to tell because, like, sometimes you want to watch it. Like, you guys, I know you've watched it two or three times, so you probably know, you know, without a doubt that you, you know, you dig that movie the most. But I, I'd probably reserve judgment on that until I see the movie a few more times. Cool. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think going into it, um, the the movies to beat for me were the Iron Man movies. I liked Captain Thor, you know, pretty well, but, you know, theirs is kind of okay. But, yeah, Avengers even blew away Iron Man for me, so it's definitely become my favorite. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. So what about, like, sequel-type stuff? Do you guys want to talk about that? Like, is there anything you'd like to see like, in a, a future movie? Like, any additional characters that you're hoping and dreaming that they include? Or anything you want to talk about like that? I guess, like, the most discussed additional character would probably be, you know, Pink Pym. Like, it seems like even before they started the film, you know, in production and stuff, people were asking about Hank Pym, and, you know, for a while there, it seemed like he was going to be included, but, you know, he was not. Do you think something like the Vision would be easy to incorporate, or is that kind of, like, you know, technology too far advanced for the universe Avengers is set in? I don't know, because I think, I think with the idea that they just got invaded by aliens and nobody's like trying to cover it up or anything like it's on the fucking news like i think it's gone beyond like the whole x-men setup you know what i mean mm -hmm. like how how i i realize like iron man is a semi quote-unquote realistic superhero movie but iron man's now part of that universe you know what i mean so it's like it's kind of like, yeah, Asgard can be some mythical faraway place where people can just kind of blow off the destroyer armor as some crazy scientific doohickey and not have to acknowledge that it's really this fucking magical thing from another plane. But when you got two fucking snakes, like, tearing up New York from outer space, like, I mean, by that point, to me, it doesn't even matter. Like, if they wanted to include Vision or Ultron or whoever, like, I, I don't think... I would have any problem suspending any disbelief for that. Like the, the only thing for me when you mention that is how would they streamline it? You know, like I was gonna say, I like the idea that's been bandied about around that they would bring Coulson back as the Vision, like in the next movie. Oh, to like sort of streamline that altogether. Yeah, like they'd use his brain waves as as the Visions. Ooh, if, if that'd be cool, actually. If, if they didn't have uh, Hank Pym around, like, who would you want to build Vision or Ultron or whoever? Like, would that be just any old, you know, would it be motherfucking Sam Jackson being like, <laughs> I built this bitch, you know, like, turn it off! I built you know? this my garage! You know, like, or, 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 like, is there some inherent fanboy need where you're like, dude, it's gotta be, you know, it's gotta be somebody like Hank Pym or, like, do you, do you think it streams line it? Too much, or I, I don't know about Mike, but I kind of feel like Hank Pym needs to invent Ultron, and by extension, Ultron needs to like invent a Vision. So, like, you would if if the Coulson thing happened, like, w it, as long as that lineage of events happened, would you still be okay with it if Coulson was the Vision, or would you like? Would you Does want Coulson like Coulson become Wonder Man first? <laughs> Or can we just skip that? Right, that's that's what I, that's what I was saying. Like, do you need Wonder Man too, or do you just? Like, well, it could it could it could be like like Samuel Jackson could be like I was looking through Colson's diary and he made himself a superhero called Wonder Man. <laughs> like, look at this funny ass costume. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no like I, I think for the sake of the movie, you could just delete the whole Wonder Man sub aspect and the Human Torch hey. part. As well, um, <laughs> but you know, you could just have you know Hank Pym. He's either you know broke down scientist in his garage, or he's like Hank Pym, super scientist of Shield. He creates Ultron and it escapes. Like you could even have that be like the opening sequence or whatever. And then you know by the middle of the film, it's like Ultron's made the Vision, and then you know Vision turns against him or whatnot. Well, there there have been talks about you know, a director being attached to an Ant-Man movie or, you know, a Hank Pym mm. movie. So maybe maybe there won't have to be as much setup if he gets some kind of solo movie before time that kind of establishes the character. Then it's just a matter of inserting him into the, the Avengers franchise, I guess. 
I, I, I kind of felt like that Hank Pym and, like, the Wasp needed their own movie first before introducing them into, like, Avengers. See, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I like I like Hank Pym and Wasp. I like them quite a bit. But, like, giving them their own movie, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking, like, I guess I'm thinking, like, you know, a Larry producer guy. Like, I don't see the dollars there, I guess. Like, I don't I, – I just can't see the Ant-Man and Wasp being, like, a, you know – blockbuster film like it seems kind of odd. Yeah, I get you. No, no, I, I I understand your reservation about it because it's the same thing like I you know to me I was kind of worried if if Thor and Cap didn't perform as well as Iron Man did if that would put a kibosh on the whole thing. I mean, the the thing is this movie has made so much money and to a lot of people that's a good thing, right? It's like, oh, that means there's going to definitely be a sequel to Avengers, you know, and without a doubt or whatever. But I also think since it raises the bar so high, like it's going to put a lot of pressure on movies like Spider-Man and Dark Knight Rises because if they don't, if they even come, if they don't, you know what I mean? Like, like they won't even come close to Avengers. I mean, they might, but I doubt it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and then yeah. and then that reflects on it's it's always in Hollywood or always in the the film industry. It's like, what have you done for me lately? So like everybody can sit there and rest on their laurels and be like. Yeah, the Avengers was great. It made you know, uh, you know, billions and billions of dollars. But the minute Ant Man comes out and it's a big flop, then you're back where you started again. Then people are like, "Oh, that was just a fluke." Like, I don't know about this superhero thing, kid. You know, or whatever. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, all these kind of dreams you have. You know, these these pipe dreams that these fanboys have about let's make an Infinity Gauntlet movie. And, you know, they skip, like, fucking the Cosmic Cube and Soul Gems and everything else because we got to jump to the Infinity Gauntlet right away because it's so important. Um, but, you know, anyway, you know, it's just like that kind of thing. Like, all those pipe dreams, they go out the window, you know? like And it's like, you know, most people, they're probably, you know, dreaming about, you know, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and Jack of Hearts and whoever the fuck they're dreaming about to be, to be put in these, uh, these films. No one's know? dreaming about Jack of Hearts, Eric. <laughs> I want Hellcat. Do I look to be in a gaming mood? Before we get too far away from the Colson talk, did everyone here see that short, like the gas station short? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't see that till after the movie, but I kind of wish he'd had, like, at least a bit more action because that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, at least he gets to live on 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 Sunday mornings. <laughs> hey, are you sure? Are you sure that's a uh, that's a bonus that, that's true. Or... That, that's kind of like con- being consigned to like purgatory, actually. <laughs> Poor Coulson. No, I, I think what it is is once Coulson died, we can just reconcile Ultimate Spider-Man as the dreams of a dead man. See, he dreams he's the principal of some school where Spider-Man's young, and there are all these young versions of heroes, but that didn't actually really happen, any of it. It's just the dreams of a dead man. I guess so. Yeah, it's like the, the series will end with, like, Coulson, like, bleeding out and being like, oh, that was all a dream? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the big gun does. Not only does it hit Loki, but it makes me dream about Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh yeah. Like, as as far as, like, other Avengers characters I'd like to see in, like, a sequel, um, I mean, I would love to see Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, but it, that kind of goes back to that rights question. I'm like, yeah, can, yeah, you're can they be... Can they do that? Like, yeah. I mean, if they can, I would love for them to show up. Like, I love those two. Um, like, other than that, I'd like to see Miss Marvel show up. Like, she's probably, like, the... She would be a good addition. I mean, plus you know another female character. Yeah, that couldn't hurt at all. I guess uh, I was I actually had a discussion with this with another one of my friends, and I was like, maybe you know if Marvel wants to go the full like push Carol Danvers, like they should just like if they wanted to introduce her in a movie, just make her Captain Marvel from the get go, pretty mm-hmm. much like give give her Marvel's origin or whatever. You mean like like actually have her be the Cree person that comes from? Either that or just kind of, yeah, like, kind of, like, fudge up the origin or, you know, so, something like that. I don't know. I was like, it seems like they, you know, they she's got that book coming out. So it's like, if they really want to push her, maybe they should just, you know, forego, like, Marvel pretty much. Hmm. See, like, when we talk about, you know, people dreaming of Jack of Hearts, like, I'm dreaming that, you know, if they, if they don't put Thanos in Thor 2 or 
Guardians of the Galaxy movie, like if he's in Avengers 2, like I'm dreaming of like either Adam Warlock or Captain Marvel himself showing up and like fighting Thanos and helping the Avengers. Yeah, who's gonna who's gonna karate chop the Cosmic Cube if we if we skip over Marvel? <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. No, no I mean, it was I mean, just it was just an idea. I mean, I'm just I'm not I'm I'm just like trying to think no, like no, no, an no. executive. Yeah, yeah, I could, <laughs> so, no, yeah. I could I could totally see people coming up with stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I like I was gonna say, like I I would have said that. Yeah, I'm sure like fan, Marvel fans would be pissed if that happened, but like if that's what you know they if they wanted to introduce Ms. Marvel, that's like I'd say that's probably like the way they'd have to do it. Pretty much, like I, I feel like everyone forgets that she's like a legacy character, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, you know, it's easy to forget when you get caught up in all the comics lore and everything. But see, the beauty of it now is you're going to have a Captain America sequel, an Iron Man sequel, and a Thor sequel. Like to me, like I mean, if I was thinking about it logistically, I would say, who can you legitimately introduce in Thor two that could be a member of the Avengers? Like you could have them fight with Hercules. And then in a future yeah. Avengers movie, Hercules can be one of the Avengers. You know what I mean? And, you know, or, you know, who could show up? But, you know, Carol Danvers in a Captain America movie is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And then when you, you know, when she turns into a superhero, it's not like you have to be like, who's that? You know, you could be like, oh, it's that cool chick from Captain America 2 or whatever. Like, I don't know. But, you know, like things like that. So, Or maybe in, like, Captain America 2 you could introduce... Prince Namor. Yeah. Thank you, Submariner! Imperious <laughs> Rex. You wouldn't be, Justin, you wouldn't be sad if Namor didn't, like, get his own movie first? Um, I was, like, perusing Internet Movie Database, and there is, like, an entry for a Submariner movie. I'm just like, huh, are they, are they really going to do that? Because, I mean, I love Submariner, but kind of like going back to the Ant-Man Wasp movie, I'm like, I, I just can't picture, like, people going crazy for a Submariner movie. Like, that's... I would be happy if they did, and like Submariner made like millions of dollars. But yeah, but I just what if what if it. they went crazy for a rock movie with the Rock and a speedo, and he happened to be <laughs> the Submariner? See that like he, that that see that's what you, 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 when you go to the studio execs, if you say Submariner, they'll be like, I I don't know what you're talking about, kid. I don't what he's what. I don't, and you go, no no no, listen, this is a movie about the Rock. Oh, The Rock. Okay, okay, The Rock. All right. <laughs> so we got The Rock in this movie. Yeah, he's interested. Okay, we got The Rock. And then they're like, okay, so it's The Rock, and then we get, like, so-and-so to direct it and all this other stuff. And then you put all that together, and you're like, who's the Submarine again? It's a Marvel movie. Oh, you mean that movie that just made $2 billion? Greenlight it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like so then, then they get all excited about it, you know. So They should get, like, like Steven Seagal to be Submariner. He could be like, I'm the, I'm the avenging son of Atlantis, and I'm going to oh. send you surface dwellers back to where you belong. He could play like a whale extra or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I see him as a submariner himself. He's, he's, they're going to make a DC... Uh, this is going to be the crazy fanboy who wants the Infinity Gauntlet movie. We're going to make a DC versus Marvel movie, and Steven Seagal is going to be the big killer whale that falls on the submariner. <laughs> Imperious Rex. Oh. I think imagining Steven Seagal as some submariner, like a little piece of meat died inside. <laughs> well, I'm glad I killed that piece. Uh, so, uh, I guess, uh, speaking of, like, Avengers stuff, like, I was looking at some stuff. Apparently, there's, like, a good 30 minutes of footage that uh, was not theatrically released. So I'm assuming when we get a Blu-ray or a DVD or whatever, maybe there'll be some kind of extended cut in there or deleted scenes and stuff. Because apparently there was some more stuff with uh, with Captain America, like where he was, you know, getting an apartment and and talking to Peggy Carter and things like that that wasn't in the the uh, theatrical version that would have made it. I guess it would have made it like a three-hour movie or something or whatever. So they trimmed it down. But um, is that it's kind of yeah, yeah, I figured there's something to look forward to. I guess when you, when 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 inevitably uh, it is released on on uh, by the third or fourth release, we should have it all. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Did they? They must have cut out like an hour or so of Bucky guilt, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting around. Well, when the, what every do you, time I look at a train, Bucky. <laughs> Well, what do you think he was punching all those duffel bags for, Mike? Like, he was totally <laughs> guilty. 
That's true. He should have seen like they should have like hired what's his face, uh, uh, who's Bucky? Oh, Sebastian Stan to like just like a picture of his face over the punching bag. Like, <laughs> why did you let me die, Cap? <laughs> why? It's like it's like faded Obi Wan Kenobi type stuff yeah. where he's like over the punching bag. I had a question for the fan holes before we move on to something else. Was there anything in the film that you felt didn't work, or like was out of place? I I kind of didn't like the fact that uh, Nick Fury tricked him about the cards. Like I don't know why like, they couldn't have been in his pocket, or you know maybe he just didn't say they were when they weren't. Like that seemed kind of a little off to me. Um, and like I'll just include this. Like as far as main complaints over the overall film. I didn't think Loki was, like, super, like, devious, you know? Like, I thought he should have been, like, a little bit more cunning and maybe played a couple more tricks, whereas, really, he had one big, long trick, and that was basically getting caught and then trying to make, you know, trying to influence everyone and get them to attack one another, you know? I just wish, being the, you know, lord of, like, deception and um, mischief, that he would have would had more cool tricks. Enough! You are all of you beneath me! I am a god, you dull creature, and I will not be bullied by that. Yeah, it seemed like they had to, like, sort of just do the whole Cosmic Cube power-up thing and, you know, make him less of a trickster and more of a, you know, omnipotent badass to start out with, I guess, in the, the <laughs> opening scene and everything. And then I guess the, the only thing I would say to... to uh, not not defend what you're talking about with Fury or whatever, but it's like I guess that's what happens when you mix and match the whole Ultimate and and six one six universe type stuff together because you know I don't know I don't like know. you know you know I said I don't really like the Ultimates like in the last podcast, but like Fury in that is a fucking scumbag. I mean you know not for nothing, but like I there's this one scene where he's he's talking to uh, his uh, I forget who his ex-wife is in that, but it's, like, some S.H.I.E.L.D. agent or whoever it is, and, like, he basically, like, what, why did they break up? It's like, well, he went through her phone book and, like, fucked every woman in it, like, including, like, his mom, her mom and her sister or some shit. You know, it's like, it's like why'd you do that? Because I can or whatever, because I'm Fury, you know? And it's just like, dude, like, that's just wrong, you know? Like, and so, like, to me, I'm like, well, it makes his little, like, white lie about Coulson for a good cause in the movie seem like nothing, you know, compared to that. But that's just my mm -hmm. my sort of counter-proposal or, or, you know, counter sort of uh statement on that like i mean i i see where you're coming from where maybe you're used to fury just kind of being a stand-up dude who was in world war ii or whatever and you know smoked stogies and was a secret agent and stuff but i guess you know it seems like the longer they they wrote that character the more sort of machiavellian they made the character because it's like oh he's a spy so he must be a douchebag you know or whatever so yeah is there anything you thought you didn't work uh mike, uh, mike? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I thought Captain America's costume wasn't the greatest. Like, I liked his first co in the, his costume in, the, in the, his movie better. And I, 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 I guess it, it, yeah. it needed yeah. more color, I guess. It was too blue. Like, especially from the back. From the back, like, some shots, it looked like he was wearing pajamas or something. <laughs> it, yeah, it looked exactly <laughs> like pajamas. Like, he was just wearing a big, like, bl solid blue footy pajama or something. But, you know... It, when he when, like from the front and when he was in action, it looked fine. But yeah, when he was just kind of standing around, it was yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, I guess I kind of liked in the in the his movie how his costume had more the more of the soldiery aspects to it, and then it also seemed to be kind of have that battle tornness to it. Whether it was just the dirt that sort of dulled all the colors or whatever, but. You know, in this, it kind of seemed like, hey, this was, like, fresh off the rack at Sears, and, you know, everything's kind of, like, shiny and has no, no wear and tear on it whatsoever type thing, you know? I was also going to say, like, I'm not, I'm not unhappy with, like, Hawkeye's role in the movie, but I kind of, like, 
I think the guy who writes Game of Thrones, like the books, like he had a good like review of the movie and he said, you know, he was like, I'm kind of disappointed with Hawkeye's role in this because it seems like, you know, like Tony Stark stole all his snark pretty much. Like, I guess he was only familiar with like, you know, classic Hawkeye. So like I this obviously this move, this Hawkeye was based more on the Ultimates one. But like you said, Derek, you know, being a bad guy for like half of it was kind of like a 616 homage. But but, you know, I, I, I can get that, like, you know, but, you know, I, I'm not unhappy with it, but I guess I kind of see what he's saying, you know? Well, I guess I guess that that has the same kind of pitfalls as Nick Fury, you know? It's like they tried to amalgamate versions of, of both of them. And, like, sometimes sometimes I think that's that kind of stuff works really well. Like, you try to take the best of, of both worlds and what works. But I don't know, I've, I've never really thought, a lot of the ultimate stuff worked for me personally, and I don't know how other people feel about it, but, you know, it's like, I, I don't really need assassin, you know, Hawkeye or whatever, you know? So I, I, I could, I could understand that kind of uh, criticism of, of Hawkeye where you're like, Oh, it'd be nice if Hawkeye got to, to have his own quips and, you know, kind of his own character. But in this, he was a little more, you know, he was kind of a mindless zombie for the first hour and then the second hour, he was just kind of taking care of business for the most part. Well, it's funny because I thought he was, like, funnier in Thor, and he only had, like, 30 seconds in Thor. And, like, the the two lines he had in Thor, like, actually made me laugh. So, you know, when Thor's, like, beating up the guys and he's like, you're going to make a call, Coulson? I'm starting to root for this guy, you know. <laughs> but... It's a minor complaint, though, because I will say that I think, like, Hawkeye's stock probably went up in the eyes of, like, like casual fans, because, like, my good buddy, who I went to go see it with the second time, uh, or, no, wait, the third time, he was, like, you know, he's he's not really a huge, like, like, like Marvel fan or anything, but, like, he's more of an into X-Men and stuff, but, like, when Hawkeye was, like, infiltrating the helicarrier, and he was, like, you know, telling these guys, go there, go there, go there, he kind of, like, leaned over to me and whispered and goes, uh, Hawkeye's a badass in this movie, <laughs> so it's, like, and I'm, I look at him, like, all aghast, like, when was he not a badass? Like, you know, but, you know, I, I think, like, his portrayal in this movie will hopefully up his stock, more or less. You know that? Is that what you know? So how about, I guess, do, do we want to talk about the whole uh, end credits, like, teaser for the what could be a next villain? Like, do you, do you, would you be adverse to the idea of Thanos being, like, the solo villain in a Thor movie? Or would you want him to face off against all the Avengers? Like, do, do, does anybody have any feelings on that one way or the other? Like, are you pissed off at me because I'm mocking people's desire for an Infinity Gauntlet movie and you think I'm an ass? Like, I'm, I'm just curious, like, what people think about it. I got goosebumps when first watching the trailer. Um, I don't know if Thanos would make a good, you know, second villain or a villain for the second movie or not, but it it's almost like painting yourself into a corner, like, because aliens are a pretty big gun to bring out, you know, like, what's a bigger threat than an alien invasion of Earth? So it's it's kind of going to be interesting to see what they do to top it. And I'm not pissed at you for mocking the Infinity Gauntlet, but that's one thing where I could think of, like, oh, yeah, that might be, you know, more of a shitstorm than just aliens coming, you know, a threat right. to the whole universe rather than just a threat to Earth. Well, but but I think I think you could still have a threat to the whole universe if Thanos had a cosmic cube or if he had all the soul gems. I just... Me, I'm more of a, a crotchety old comic fan where I'm like, you know, there were – he did make two other attempts to, like, wipe out the universe before he had the Infinity Gauntlet. So it's, to me, it's kind of like, you know, saying, like, oh, let's start the first X-Men movie with Wolverine, you know, and you're just kind of <laughs> like, wait, you, you know there were, like, you know, hundreds of X-Men comics before Wolverine was ever involved in the X-Men, but most people are kind of like, we don't care, you know, so I'm like – well, that's that kind of I don't know. It's just one of those things where I'm like, oh well. Like me, like I I would rather have Thanos show up in like Thor two. Like you know, my personal ideal storyline would be have Thanos get the cosmic cube, and then he's like you know breaking down burial barriers through like reality in the different realms. So then like you know who shows up to help uh, Thor but Hercules, and then you can do like some uh, Asgardian and. Olympian like team up and have those two like try and take down Thanos. 
I think that's too much beefcake for me. <laughs> no, actually, that's not a bad idea, Justin. You know, and it'd play into like the Easter egg of the Infinity Gauntlet, like being in Odin's like trophy room too, to have Thanos first appear in like a Thor two movie. So I think that that's a cool idea, and it could work. Yeah, I mean, you could you could also throw in other characters, like you know, if they wanted to, they could throw in Captain Marvel or Miss Marvel or you know, you know, Drax or so they could even throw in Star Fox, I guess, if they wanted to, but. Like for <laughs> for the Avengers sequel, like I would rather see someone more traditional, like you know Ultron. Like I, I would love to see King show up. Like I don't know how they would do King the Conqueror as a movie character. Like that, you know, he's kind of his past is convoluted. You know, he's like three or four different guys as well as being King. So I don't know how they would do that, but like I would be curious about that. Yeah, I was gonna ask like if if Kang were to be introduced, what like. Do you think, like, you know, alien invasion in, like, Asgard is, is one thing, but what about, like, time travel? Like, is that, you think that's too far out just yet, or? No, I don't think so, personally, but other people may disagree. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I'm going to hold fast to what I said before. I mean, you had a full-on, full-blown alien invasion. Like, I don't, I, I think the sky's the limit at this point. It's not like... It's not like they candy-assed it like they did with X-Men, where they're like, oh, we can't go into outer space. We'll just have the Phoenix on Earth, and stuff will happen, you know? Like, So it's like, I'd just rather have them, you know, go full-blown, and, you know, if they're going to do alien shit and time travel stuff, like, just go ahead and do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if the audience will buy, you know, a guy who turns into to-, to the Hulk, if they'll buy, like, giant fish whale invasion and... You know, if they'll buy, like, Cap gets frozen in ice and is revived, like, they'll buy time travel. What do you think about what Whedon said, actually? Because I, I know there have been statements that he's made where if he was called back for a sequel, he wouldn't try and top it. You know, he wouldn't try and come up with something that's bigger than an alien invasion, that he'd try to go more personal into the characters and make a more character-driven story instead of a big kind of action piece like this first movie was. So, do you have any thoughts about that kind of statement? Like, just if it was just kind of like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna have a movie, and there's gonna be bad guys in it," but you know, it'll probably be more like a character piece about how you know Cap and Hawkeye and Black Widow and Thor and whoever else you know kind of relate to each other, and I don't know, like what, what I don't know, maybe they all fucking eat shawarma and play poker or whatever. I don't know, but like whatever that means. Like, <laughs> I think it's like a good move on like especially director's behalf to make a comment like that because as i said before i think it will be kind of hard to top but you know then again we'll have the same success as this one did not being you know a big you know that that big not having that big threat i guess well that that, will that type of movie appeal as much as this one did well i mean maybe you could do a do a I mean, uh, not to sound like Brian Singer or anything, but maybe you could do a Wrath of Khan type thing, you know, where you have, like, some kind of personal animosity. I mean, between, like, either you could... Because to me, like, the other thing I was thinking of is besides setting up heroes and stuff, you know, you can look back on whoever they faced off in the past. I mean, you know, like, the Red Skull was wiped out in a cosmic cube flash of light, but that doesn't mean they can't you know, find him somewhere or, you know what I mean? Like there's other characters that they could use. So where, you you know, you're kind of thinking like, oh, who would you introduce as villains in, uh, you know, an Iron Man and a Cap and a Thor sequel that could become the Masters of Evil or something, you know, like things like that. Like, so if if they could kind of strategically set those chess pieces in play so that by the time you had a second or third Avengers movie that, you know, you have Baron Zemo and a bunch of, you know, Enchantress and a bunch of these guys running around, you know, you could make it kind of a character-driven piece and personal, but between, you know, sets of characters that just have, like, lots of hatred for one another. I know they are rumoring that Enchantress is going to be one of the villains for Thor 2, so... So, is there anything else that anybody else wants to... uh, address as far as like Avengers movie type stuff like do do we want to talk about any of the other characters or anything that maybe we've overlooked before we sort of move on to the awesome thing of the week if you you guys want to go around really quick and say what like our favorite scene was maybe or yeah yeah I could do that who wants to start who's going to be the adventurous one I'll go first um 
I, I really like the part where uh, the there it's basically you know Thor is fighting with Iron Man when he first lands and everything, and of course since I like Cap, you know he's gonna jump off into the middle of it, and they're kind of like you know Black Widow's kind of like look you can't just jump down there. These two guys are like you know it's like the, these guys are like gods, and he basically says uh, that uh, you know there's only one god, and I don't think he uh, dresses funny like that or whatever, ma'am. You know, and he just leaps off into it. So I really dug that part. <laughs> that's good um, classic cap yeah i think that's that fight is one of my favorite favorite fights from the film the um iron man thor i don't know it just looked like visually very cool and all the lightning and you know just a lot of cool stuff going on and then my favorite like funny line from the movie i think is the galaga line i mentioned earlier i i actually liked a lot of the interaction between tony stark and bruce banner like it it like it was just cool like you know they're both like kind of nerds so it like they they like had like chemistry like right off the bat he's like does, and, uh, does anybody speak english here he's like Thank yeah and he's you. like finally someone's making sense you know <laughs> I, I pretty much loved that. Yeah, I love the Galaga line, and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll echo you guys. I think my favorite, like, probably fight scene was probably Thor versus Iron Man with Cap jumping in in the middle. I just love the part when, like, Iron Man headbutts Thor, and Thor just looks, looks pissed off and just headbutts him back and knocks him <laughs> over. Justin? Oh, uh, I guess my favorite scene was... Uh, Hulk treating Loki like he's a little rag doll, like that. That was awesome. I also like just you know, I guess for like cool imagery, like I just liked Hawkeye jumping off that building and shooting arrows. Like, you know how when you're watching a movie and sometimes like something cool happens and you get like goosebumps. Like that was I'm just like whoa, that was cool. Like even though I've seen it in the trailers like a thousand times, I'm just like, you know, it was still awesome. Was like whoa, that's Hawkeye's cool. I kind of everybody like- knows. <laughs> For for like goosebumps, I did kind of love the part where where Banner just says, "My trade secret is that I'm angry like a hundred fucking percent of the time," and then he's just gonna stand in front of the stupid worm and beat the shit out of it. I kind of like that. That was pretty awesome too. I also liked it when in during the Thor and Hulk fight when you know Thor just puts his hand out for like five seconds and like Hulk's running at him and the hammer like comes to him at the last second and he uppercuts him with it. Like, everyone in the audience kind of went, oh, when that happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they squeezed a lot of that stuff, you know, things that people expected to see into that movie in a, a really uh, well-done way, so. Yeah, I also like Tolk trying to pick up Thor's hammer. Like, thankfully he didn't pull any kind of, like, stupid Rolk business where Rolk, you know, takes advantage of it. Like, I'm just like, you know, that's how it would be yeah, in the comics. That- I was going to say, yeah, that one my one last thing is I like, like, everyone's power levels seemed accurate in that movie. Like, you know, everyone, like, you know, Iron Man had, like, the disadvantage against Thor. Thor had, like, the slight disadvantage against Hulk. And, like, it, it seemed, like, very, like, respectful, pretty much. Like, you know, even, like, Cap's, like, beating the crap out of Loki, but he's not hurting him, really. Right, you right. know, he's just kind of, like, kicking and punching him, and Loki's just kind of annoyed with him, so... Cool. So I guess I guess we all kind of have uh, regaled you with uh, with our favorite scenes, and obviously, you know, spoilers, and as Tony might say. Um, so he's here with us in spirit, and um, so I guess we'll move on to uh, what's awesome in your world this week. Now that we've uh, wrapped up uh, talking about the Avengers movie, just you know, some brief thoughts on it, and you know, what, what kind of what we thought and liked, and you know, hopefully you uh, enjoyed well, listening enjoyed to this. this. But uh, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and move on to what's awesome in your world this week, and, uh, and uh, I'll start off with Justin. What tell us something that's awesome in your world this week, sir? Well, I have two things. The first one is uh, I watched one of the more recent Common Rider movies. Uh, its official name is Common Rider X Common Rider Forze and O's Movie Wars Mega Max, and um, <laughs> this is one of like the annual team up movies that they do, where the previous Common Rider teams up with the current one, and uh, it was pretty good. Like I'd been looking forward to watching this for a while, and you know it was finally. Uh, a sub version was finally released, and I thought it was pretty cool. And I know, uh, Derek, you like to check out team-ups and crossover things, but I think if you watch this one, like it's one of those movies where you might be kind of confused because it takes story aspects from three different Common Rider series and ties them all together. So like, it's one of those things where like, if you're kind of a newbie, you'd be like, well, what's this? 
well, what's that? Well, why is that girl saying that? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But. Yeah, I'm still I'm still a noob to, to Kamen Rider in general, so kind of like what you just said sounds like to me, like Doctor Who teamed up with Doctor Who, and Doctor <laughs> Who did some stuff, you know, and I'm kind of like, wait, all right, okay, that's cool, you know, but I still don't know what's going on. Uh, but but I thought it was pretty good. Like, I really enjoyed it. Cool. Um, my second thing is a book. Uh, it's, it's been a while since I've had a book as a cool thing, like, I'm... I've been reading books. It's just I haven't read anything I thought was worth recommending until now. Um, and careful listeners of the show will recall this is a book uh, Brian recommended, um, I guess, about a year ago. It is Sea of Glory, and it's uh, it's about this American expedition to like kind of chart various aspects of the world that hadn't been fully charted, like trying to find Antarctica and they go to like the Fiji Islands and then finally they go up the Columbian River like you know near Oregon and Washington State um, like I I bought this book like not long after Brian recommended it but it kind of I kept buying more books so it ended up at the kind of near the middle of my book reading pile so I'm just now getting around to it but uh, Brian's recommendation recommendation was spot on like I really enjoyed it um, and you know the uh, the commodore, I guess, quote unquote, commodore of the of the expedition. Like, man, like I was telling Brian about this like last week, you know, between recording. Like, man, that guy's an ass. Like, I hope when they <laughs> get back, like I I've still got like maybe three chapters left. Like they're on their way back home, so they haven't like got to the hearings or anything. But like, oh uh, man, I hope something happens to that guy. Like he just treats his crew like crap and you know it's yeah. just funny like he, he's such an ass and then he he's like a lieutenant and he proclaims himself commodore of this expedition i'm just like man like he's he's like he's like if i didn't know this was like a a real book i'd just be like man like somebody did a good job making up this character because he's such an ass <laughs> i hate him but it's really good i'm glad you're enjoying it I, I had a lot of fun reading it and you know knowing that you like history and reading too i, I thought you'd like it so I'm glad you're uh, finding the amount of pleasure that I did. Good job, old chap. So what about you, Mike? What uh, what awesome thing is going on in your world this week? I guess my awesome thing for the week is uh, Gundam Unicorn Episode 5, which was released, uh, I think, last week. But I just watched it, like, Monday. And uh, I liked it. It was a good... I'm, I'm glad that uh, despite, like, Bandai's, uh, I guess, pretty much ditching DVD and Blu-ray releases in the States for the time being, uh, like, digital releases seem to be still going forward. So, you know, we can at least rent it for now. So, and I liked it. It was a good episode, so... Is it is it still dubbed? Yep. It's all... It's still dubbed and everything. Cool. Yep. I, yeah, I was kind of, I was like, I'm not sure how, like, I'm still not sure how this works, you know? It's like, they still dub it, but and they can release it digitally, but well, they think, don't have I the... I think that's the thing, though. The distribution, as far as physical media, is done, but that doesn't affect the digital distribution. Yeah. Because it's not physical. Exactly. Physical, it's not physical. Physical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh... Cool. But it ma- it maintains the high standards of the series so far, so yeah, and then I what, liked it a lot. So now there's going to be what, what seven episodes? Because before there was going to be six episodes in a movie. Is that is that right? Yeah. Now they announced that like next year there's just going to be episodes six and seven. Okay. So, so if you have been following the Gundam Unicorn uh, story with bated breath, uh, you know, be well aware. Uh, after episode five, we're going to have to wait. What another probably six months or something for episode six? Then probably no. Uh, what do you call uh, after this episode, which just came out? Uh-huh. I guess the next one doesn't come out till March of next year. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay, so even longer. Yeah. But uh, so so this is what uh, fans of uh, well, I guess it's not as bad as uh, the guys who who were into the MSA team when like they had like what the they had like what a number of episodes and they were all done in 1996. And then the series didn't finish until, like, 1999, so. Yeah, it was, like, two episodes a year, yeah. and they were only, like, a half hour long yeah. or whatever, so. So what about you, Brian? What uh, What's your awesome thing for this week? Um, my awesome thing this week is a comic trade paperback. Um, 
sometimes late at night when I'm bored, I have a bad habit of spending money on things I don't really need. But um, <laughs> I have the same I just, problem. Yeah, like Amazon's a curse. It's an epidemic. Amazon's a curse at times. But uh, anyways, when I, I ended up buying like $200 worth of just a bunch of trades that I thought kind of looked interesting. But one of the trades I got that you know I, I legitimately had interest in was uh, Spider-Man The Complete Clone Saga Epic. I bought like three or four volumes of it that night, and um, this week I got that in the mail. I started reading it, and I've been really enjoying it. Um, as a kid, you know, like Amazing Spider-Man was basically the comic that got me into comic collecting. So I was, I mean, that's the one I collected religiously. I never missed an issue. But the Clone Saga, while it was going on, you know, it spread through all the Spider-Man titles. So I was getting maybe a fifth of the stories as I collected Amazing Spider-Man. And so, you know, what happened was I, I missed a bunch of stuff. So I, I didn't mind the Clone Saga. I really like uh, Ben Riley a lot as a character. So getting the chance now to go back and read a lot of stories I missed the first time or even refresh my memory on some, some stories I had read, um, I don't know, I've just been really enjoying the book. And, like, for those thinking about getting it, it's actually a really good deal. Like, uh, each volume's like 430 pages almost, and on Amazon right now, they're like 20 bucks a piece. So for the amount of volume you're getting, like, that's a pretty good deal. So, I don't know, I highly recommend it for anyone that's a Spider-Man fan and that can stomach the Clone Saga without, you know, regurgitating their lunch. Cool. So as long as everybody likes uh, Judas Traveler and Screer and uh, <laughs> Seward Trainer, you know, they can get on that shit <laughs> ASAP. Yeah. Uh, for fans of Kane, a.k.a. Alan Moore. Yes. <laughs> Crazy Alan Moore yeah. with his death touch. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So it's how many volumes is it in total? Six? Um, there's six of the Clone Saga epic, but then – no, I think five. And then it changes titles, and it's like the Ben Riley epic or something. Okay. And then there's like three or four of those so far, I think. So okay. um, it's, it's quite huge. That must be all his time as Spider-Man, right? Yeah, it collects everything. Like it's they insane. Have, they should have just called it the Daily Grind Epic, <laughs> <laughs> the Half Finished Boots Epic, <laughs> Spider Carnage. Cool. Um, I oh, I guess I guess I have to go and have an awesome thing. Uh, this morning, um, I, I I hesitate. I'm not sure if it's like the the season finale or not, but I guess the, the DVD release is calling it Season One Part One. Um, so I'm just going to say that it's the, the arc finale of Green Lantern. Um, and uh, I've been kind of hard on Green Lantern for the most part, uh, you know, maybe not on the show, but, you know, in private, I've been kind of making fun of it to most of the guys here on the show. But uh, the the finale or whatever was pretty, pretty epic, and it kind of took from a lot of different uh, setups. You know, you had uh, things like uh, Mogo and St. Walker and uh, Salek and all these different Green Lantern characters that were introduced, and they all got to have pretty cool, decent moments with the Red Lantern invasion and everything. And, uh, you know, there's kind of the... the you know, I guess atypical moment in a in a DC production where you know the hero looks like he's getting his ass kicked at everything, and then he kind of gets his his uh, round or two power, you know, as I like to say, and kind of Hal Jordan kind of had that moment too, where Atrocitus was kind of beating the shit out of him, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, wait a minute, I'm the bestest, and he you know beats the shit out of Atrocitus, and it was you know to me it's just kind of standard DC stuff, so I enjoyed that. I know you know some of my friends that uh, that I know and love kind of make fun of me for liking that kind of stuff but i i kind of enjoyed the whole uh, finale and then i guess another reason why i'm kind of happy about it is they're they're back in guardian space so hopefully if they do do more episodes uh after this point like they're not stuck in that whole sort of lost in space star trek voyager syndrome where you know they're only on the outer rim edge of the galaxy like they can you know do some more stories with carol ferris and you know they can go eat hot dogs and fight crime and you know do some do some other stuff than what they had been doing previous to this so um i i was pretty happy with it and so that's my awesome thing this week so I guess just uh, thank everybody for listening to Fanhole's podcast. Um, if you had some favorite scene in the Avengers that we didn't talk about and you want to let us know what that is, uh, you know, feel free to email us at uh, fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, keep coming to the blog spot. We've got a lot of written articles that are going to be coming out at least once a month. And 
we also have our sidecasts uh, that are airing on Blip TV as well. So please check those out. Uh, you know, sometimes we'd like to make fun of a, uh, you know, old cartoons and old movies and things like that. We kind of do an MSTK3 thing. And uh, we're also getting ready to roll out some all-new, all-different sidecasts, which is more picture-in-picture uh, -picture type commentary between two fan holes, uh, you know, while we're sort of either observing something or maybe playing games and different things like that. So, uh, you know, keep watching the show and everything. And uh, until next time, this is Derek, Derek WCD, signing off. Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. Hey, it's Mike, and this podcast appears to run on some kind of electricity. This is Justin Grimlock, and we are charged to 400%. Awesome. Sorry. <laughs> I was just noticing we got an email from Mitchell Alomar saying, I found you on Facebook. Would you like me to create a professional website for you? Oh, I saw that. So, yeah. <laughs> no, Mitchell. I was distracted. Fine. Sorry. Really thanks, fine. Mitchell. Mitchell, <laughs> no thanks. it's a tight economy. We, we, we're not making the mad, mad cash that... Uh, <laughs> that the people at Channel Awesome are, so we can't afford to have you build us a website.